Ladies and gents, we are back. Welcome back to the Coached by Dan podcast. And to be more specific, welcome back to season two of the podcast. Um, been a while. I've been away from the podcast now for a couple months. Um, the now named season one of the podcast was extremely long. Uh, 112 episodes, which I'm not going to be doing any more from a season point of view. Um the plan now is to keep seasons a little bit shorter, between 8 and 10 episodes. Um, really put a lot more time into podcasts, into you know sourcing guests who I really want to talk to and, and, and topics that we, we can have amazing conversations about and most importantly, share a ton of value with all of you guys and girls. So I'm super excited to be back in the podcast. Um, absolutely incredible episodes coming up with some absolutely fantastic guests who I can't wait to share with you all um we're kicking off season two with uh, a friendly face the podcast dr mike the second dr mike banna um i've had dr mike on the podcast beforehand and like he's an absolute gent to speak to um this episode we talk a little bit about um personal trainers and just people in general kind of dipping their toes into the mental health game and and how 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 negative affecting that can be for a whole host of reasons um i don't want to hold back on the podcast any more than i already am we're a minute and a half in i want you guys to just get straight into the podcast um if you do enjoy this podcast with myself and dr mike feel free to share it on your social media page onto instagram if you want to give us both a tag that'd be fantastic let us know that you've watched it and if you're watching this on spotify or apple Podcasts, and you feel it is a anything above an average podcast feel free to rate it five stars and subscribe um it helps the podcast grow helps it reach more people and that is the real big goal now with season two so without further ado welcome back to the podcast and enjoy season two episode one with dr mike banna dr mike how are we getting on you are very welcome to the podcast very well thank you and this is like the second podcast as well it is. It's very exciting times. Had you on? It was like I think it was like this time last year, wasn't it? I feel like it was. It was pandemic-y time, wasn't it? But I think stuff was opening up. I yeah. Feel like I remember you were on your way out afterwards. Probably. I, think I don't know why I remember that detail, but I I was either. So there's two. So around this time last year, like third lockdown was. I was doing one of two things. I was either either one. So a friend of mine, Carl, he like completely decked out a shed with like everything we made cables we we got a bench bar i had plates we brought them over i was either going out to train with him or i was meeting my girlfriend at the time uh well at the time she's my girlfriend jesus meeting my girlfriend um because covid related stuff and all that crack there yeah um so actually no 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 no. it was definitely before that because i was living at home at that point and I'm, I'm, I'm not at home at the minute so would have been before listen it is what it is how are you is all good you're around anyway all is good all is as good as it can be phenomenal phenomenal and we're not in covid ish times now so life is so much better um i'm gonna do the the i'm I'm gonna ask you a question i didn't ask last time and i'm i feel like it's probably really ignorant to me to ask because i'm sure you've been asked like a billion times in podcasts in general and i could i don't know why i didn't ask last time but it's dr mike the second why is it the second? Uh, so, I mean, it's a weird story. Like, it's not actually that exciting, but I, I enjoy it. So there was, there is a singer-songwriter who I am a massive fan of. And during my final year of uni, I started getting into kind of going to gigs and stuff. Because, of course, when you've got, like, the biggest exams of your life, what you want to start doing is, like, developing a, a, another hobby. Um, and I used to go to these gigs. I used to watch her play in these little venues and, and I'd chat to her kind of afterwards and stuff like a weirdo stalker. And um, I remember like talking to her about the fact that I was doing medical school and I was coming up to my finals and she was like, oh, this is like destiny because my friend, Dr. Mike, is moving to America. And so you're going to pass your exams and then you'll become Dr. Mike the second. Um, and so she would always, whenever I would see her after that, she would call me Dr. Mike the second or like in, you know, MySpace messages at the time, she would refer to me as Dr. Mike the second. Um, and I, on, on social media, like the beginning of social media, I had just had my normal name and I freaked out a little bit when I saw 
like my tweets come up if you googled me because everyone's googled themselves right that's not actually that weird of a thing to do um but I, I freaked out a little bit and I thought I I need to not have like my name as my name on social media just in case um I mean which is silly because I have got I've got it back now anyway but um I was looking for a nickname and I hadn't I've never really had any like nickname nicknames apart from just you know bullying nicknames like plays on on like my name or whatever so um Dr Mike the second it was and I kind of like everyone knows a doctor called Mike you'll never find a, the the username of Dr Mike because there's always doctors called Mike everywhere so that became my thing that's class I I, I think I just assumed like it was your dad or something like that yeah, a lot I, of people do I, yeah I, I was gonna say that I feel like everyone would just assume that but that's I like that. You seem very like into your, I'm just going to beat you off the topic of what we were going to talk about. Like you seem like super into your music. Like I think like literally my favorite thing on stories is just like you training in the gym and there's like whatever songs going on. I, I, it, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. I love it because also like I absolutely adore music. Music is my main, I guess, hobby like of enjoyment. Like I've never been any good at sports or anything like that. And I kind of feel like I don't find sports that interesting to watch if you don't play them. But with music, for some reason, like I don't really play music either, but I just, I'm like absolutely fascinated by it. I don't understand how people are able to like sing and play guitar at the same time or sing and play piano at the same time. Like it, it blows my mind. So like, I'm just so impressed by musical talent. So I love listening to music, watching music. So I can, I can enjoy pretty much anything if, if the right music is there. So for me, like a massive um, factor in my gym adherence, like and my my going to the gym has been like my coach lets me make the playlist for sessions. And like when we do group training, like I'll, I'll be given a different theme and I'll make the playlist. And that's like a like it's it's ridiculous. Like it's really sad sometimes, I think. But I really love it. It really makes me get excited about the session. And while I'm in the session, I'm like, oh, my God, I wonder what people think of this song. Usually they hate it. And like that's the, the best thing about it is that unfortunately I was not blessed with like credible or um, or particularly universal taste in music. Like not many people share the stuff that I enjoy. So I'm constantly like fighting this battle of wanting like everyone to hear the songs that I love because I feel like they they will love them too and then they never do and it makes me sad so <laughs> that's brilliant it's always because it's, it's kind of like music I feel like I just like I feel like no one would usually listen to in the gym but it's just really like you kind of listen you're like oh this is actually like, personally anyway I'm kind of like it, it, it kind of slaps I would actually go for that see I'm, oh, I'm, one, of the, I'm one of those weirdos who just like stop training with earphones um I, I, I don't know I I don't know why um i've stopped it's weird because the gym i go to is a very like commercially gym so it's mm -hmm. always very much like adele remixes which just yeah. should, which just should never be remixed mm -hmm. um but you know music oh, music school i i'd be i would have been very musical myself i actually studied music in college before i promptly oh, wow. left um yeah music's really fun to play and that stuff but like studying it really wasn't yeah um I like i i play guitar drums bass like you're fucking I, I like rock 101 I play guitar yeah. drums and bass and then when I went in and it was all like let's learn about keys and notes and mm. scales I was like oh this is actually really not what I thought it was going to be and then I left and that was my brief year of college yeah. um but yeah no music yeah it, it is a it's a very cool and like I, I'd be the exact same in terms of kind of like seeing someone singing and playing guitar at the same time I was in Amsterdam two weeks ago with my girlfriend and someone busting on the side of the road with like an accordion and a harmonica and i was like how are you doing but even the accordion itself is like three instruments in one there's buttons That's there's crazy. the radiator looking crazy. thing and the piano and yeah. then he's playing the harmonica he's basically doing four instruments at the same time uh, and in yeah. doing that he has to breathe to play the instrument so his breathing mm. has to coordinate with the three instruments in his hand yeah. and it's i didn't yeah. like that i thought no, it blows my mind yeah and i also find like i love posting like my workouts on insta stories for example but i also think they're so boring so i like i like to talk trivia about the like when i post the workout i'll be like this song is about this and this is like and i'll like post little facts about it and stuff which entertain me and that's the most important thing about social media right just entertaining yourself that, yeah nail the head to be honest um i'm really excited to talk about this topic we're about to talk to talk about um kind of it's it's a topic a friend of mine so rory o'connor's a mate of mine he follows you as well so actually I was talking to him a good bit about this podcast because I knew he'd want to ask a few things. I kind of just 
pick your brain as well as I did because like it is kind of so generally so it's it's kind of how fitness professionals very much kind of dip their toes into areas where they wouldn't be super qualified and I think the the really obvious one I suppose the most frequently done one will be kind of dipping into the mental health side of things and like I, yeah. I will like we would always say like you know like personal trainers like you're not a mental health expert unless of course we have some form of qualification um and it is one of like myself and Rory we, we have back and forth but it will be a big pet peeve of ours kind of seeing that become a thing and like I suppose like the one I obviously want to talk about the that side of things but also he's asked me four questions to ask you which I'll get to then towards the end which are very unrelated to what we're talking about which is why we'll put them towards the end because I think we've already <laughs> delved away from the topic so much but like the kind of get started off like where do you feel like it's kind of stemmed from where personal trainers kind of I'm not saying it's every personal trainer but like where a lot of personal trainers feel like they have this kind of position that kind of allows them to almost feel like they can deal with mental health issues as a personal trainer, if that makes sense. So honestly, I don't think it's personal trainers. I don't think, and and because like you and I follow a lot of personal trainers on Instagram. So we see a lot of personal trainers do stuff like that, right? But actually, I think it's just a, a human being thing. Doctors do it too. Doctors do it probably more than anybody. You'll see doctors talking about nutrition, talking about, um, you know, niche aspects of, of health and even fitness as well that they know nothing about. And it is just, I think, a natural human tendency to think you know everything about everything. And especially like if you, you know, if you're well trained in one aspect of something and you know a little bit about another aspect of something, it's quite easy to assume that you know as much about what you're an expert on as you, or what you're not an expert on as you do as about what you're an expert on. And that's classic like Dunning-Kruger, right? Everybody, when they know a little bit about something, they think that they know everything. I think also because the current climate of stuff like social media encourages us so much to kind of share our personal experiences of things, everyone's an expert in everything. And like, you only have to look at a, a post on Facebook where someone has gone, I've got a bad knee, anyone got any advice? And you will see like, 50 60 comments of people going i had a bad knee um it was my ligaments you might need an operation and i'm like what are you talking about like i wouldn't say that to somebody is like after examining them and you know deciding like yet they don't even know what the problem is they don't even know what a bad knee means they don't know if it's swollen they don't know if it's painful they don't know if it's like if you're not able to walk properly they don't know if it's dislocated or broken or whatever but the minute people can associate something that's going on with someone else with an experience of theirs, it's like almost a, a bonding process. And I think on social media, particularly, we're always looking for stuff to connect us. So if you have a shared experience, you immediately want to talk about it with somebody that, that is there that you know that you can relate to. Like, I mean, it, it goes as shallow as talking about what crisps you like. Look how people react when you talk about like you what's the best flavor of like monster munch people are livid if you say i mean obviously it's roast beef right but some people think it's pickled onion and then they get all like you know aggy about it and you actually end up you know having people debating what is a better flavor of something because they it's just tribes and people want to be part of this like group so i honestly don't think it is necessarily a fitness problem or a fitness industry problem i think it is just something that we we all are at risk of doing and i think it genuinely in for the most part comes from a good place and i think people just want to be helpful and i think the minute that you think that you can be helpful then you want to explore that i do think there is like a slightly less good place side of it i think that a lot of people see topics that are popular and it, you know, whether it's mental health or whether it's anything else and want to jump on that, you know, social media bandwagon, things that are trending are, are things that are popular. So they want to do it. Um, I mean, it, it's phenomenal. The, the, the lengths that people will go to to push a social media profile. I mean, you only have to like look at re like look at dancing reels. Like, how did that become a thing? But it did because yeah. the minute you told people that what you need to do is make a video of yourself, like doing a silly dance and pointing at stuff, everyone just did it, didn't they? Um, because the prospect of you know being ahead of the curve on those things is so appealing to people um, that they will go to lengths to do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's a mixture of it just being a really popular topic, and rightly so. Um, 
and I think it is ultimately a good thing, but I just think perhaps what we just need to do is guide the narrative in a direction where it's a little bit more transparent and a little bit safer, um, and then it will be just right. But it just it, it is hard to get stuff like nuance across on social media. So regardless of who's saying it, I think. Yeah, I hear you. I feel very personally attacked there with the whole dancing thing. My most viewed reel on Instagram. Do you remember that one? Oh, I'll, I'll get back to this right straight away. But do you remember that real trend? It was like some guy in glasses dancing in everyone's mirror to some Nelly Furtado song. I did that one in the moment because it took like two minutes to record. I think I got like 57,000 views, like a thousand oh likes. God. And like, I was like, oh my God, where's my blue tick? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I've made it. Let's go. It's tempting um, when stuff like that happens. It, <laughs> it does, like, it makes you want to go, how can I double down on this? Like, how can I do it again? No, but you're, but you're dead right there. And like, like another thing I did a few weeks ago is actually funny is like, I saw Gary McGowan put a store about like, you know, which is the superior can of monster. And I put that up and I swear I've not got better engagement in my life. And I've had so many people like kind of, throw their opinions actually really funny i was actually in the in the gb that i was picking a signal for my girlfriend and uh, the guy at the receptionist he was like i oh, actually i i follow you on instagram I, I felt very starstruck as well but he was we, we got talked about the whole monster thing and he was like i have a monster yellow one do you want it i was like no you're okay don't worry about it but like it's it goes it's like it is you're dead right then there was actually something that happened really recently um i don't know if i should obviously name them name them out but there were two irish vegan people who are quite big on social media who were talking about how certain foods can do x y and z to cancer and there, and there was a great video release i've completely forgotten his name but i think i think you might have shared and a few others might have shared it do you know the one i'm talking about yeah david robert grimes yes that yes he's the author of um the irrational, the irrational ape yes yes or if you're in america it's called good thinking i think they have a different title in america but it just it's such a good book Yes, um, but, and he is such a great guy. Like, and it was it know, was it was fantastic. But it it kind of sorry, I'm probably sorry. But it's kind of like it's there, right? I said like once you feel like you've any like a area of expertise, you just want to speak about it because, and I don't feel like like it's obviously there's there's coming out from a position of kind of like of harness and thinking you're kind of helping and kind of like oh well mm -hmm. I've experienced this so I actually feel like I can help you, but then you can't help but think like there must be some like element of profitability coming from this. And it's kind of like, where do you kind of like, you have to kind of draw that line of kind of like, you know, ex like experience doesn't mean you're an expert. I think actually Rory saying, I was talking about, I think he actually commented on, I think it was one of your posts actually. Um, it was like, I like just because I clean my teeth, look at my cleat doesn't mean I'm going to be handing out dental advice. Do you know that kind of way? And, and I, think I think that the difficult, the difficulty is because I, like I, I reflect on this topic quite a lot and I have, I have friends and colleagues who are probably a lot harder on the subject than I am. Like I'm, I find it tough to call people out. I sometimes, you know, like if, if something I think is dangerous and harmful, like explicitly dangerous and harmful, I will probably have no problems calling it out. But I find it tough when someone clearly has good intentions and is trying to do the right thing, but is getting it wrong. And a lot of people will counteract that argument by saying good intentions don't matter if you are causing harm the outcome is what is important and actually it, it's a good point to make because if you've got a large following and a big profile it means that you have a responsibility to ensure that you are putting out information that is factually accurate so like let's say for example if you truly are invested in doing that good then make sure that you like run that past but like but run it by somebody who you know, like I, i've got a few friends i'm not a nutritionist i don't know a lot about nutrition um i'm not a mental health well i'm a mental health I, i'm a mental health professional i'm mental health lead in my gp practice but i'm not a psychiatrist i'm not a psychologist there's plenty of things in mental health that i'm far 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 from an expert on um and i recognize that and i'm I'm happy with it. I'm not professing to be more of an expert than I am. There are that I do have some expertise, but I would not necessarily consider myself an expert. And actually, I felt quite uncomfortable recently because somebody described me as a mental health expert in a, like in a bio, and I was like, oh, I don't know if that, I don't know if it's okay for for me to be described that way. But anyway, I digress. But 
you know, I will quite frequently send, like I'll write, sometimes if I write my weekly email or if I'm doing a post and I think it's something that's particularly referring to some, you know, some psychological concepts or um, something to do with nutrition or whatever, I will frequently just send it to one of my friends beforehand and go, am I an idiot if I post it? You know, like, is this okay? Not, can you write it for me or can you reformulate it or whatever? Or can you give me an in-depth critique? Can you spend 30 seconds reading this and telling me if I am completely missing the mark? And actually, I think if more people did that and more people actually referred out, it's a bit like, you know, I was having this conversation actually with a fellow doctor recently who is now a personal trainer. Uh, he's always been a personal trainer, actually, but he's sort of doing more work in online coaching. And he was saying that, I, that in medicine, because we're quite used to not doing everything ourselves and referring out to different specialties and stuff like that, we're quite used to it. But actually, in a lot of professions, it's not so you know it's not done so much so perhaps we're lucky to you know to have been kind of brought up in that environment where it's completely normal to ask the opinions of other professionals rather than just go on your own and actually you know when you look at personal trainers you've got people who do some brief training in a um in a discipline and then they're just kind of cast out on their own like unless you're working in a big gym with a team of other people to kind of bounce off and learn from with seniors and juniors and all of that kind of stuff to, to kind of to, to associate with a lot of people are going into um, straight into self-employment, potentially straight into online, which means that they're not necessarily even networking with other coaches or learning from mentors, etc. And that like, that puts them in a really vulnerable position for putting out information that might not necessarily be true because then they're, they're often just perpetuating things that they might see other people say that might not be correct. Yeah, really agree. I think, yeah, I think it, it is <laughs> one of the, like, obviously, there's many downsides to how little there is to actually be a fully functioning business owner in the personal training field. It's kind of like, here's your piece of paper after six weeks, crack on, do your thing. And like, obviously, it, it's kind of like, again, it comes to come back to the point, like, they maybe didn't, they didn't know any better. They thought they were doing a good thing and actually it was it was kind of what you mentioned there but kind of referring out and kind of find that kind of opinion of others is actually about a year ago now there was someone who i was sent actually a post i was like one of those like pt profiles you know when you go to a gym mm -hmm. it's like this is the person they're trying to what they specialize in and one of their specialities was was it just said mental health and i was like i kind of know this person i know they don't have any kind of qualification to put that thing in there i was like in my head i was like should I, like, I feel I was in my head, I was kind of like, I don't want to be that guy that just points out, but I'm also like, I don't like no one to really walk into a gym and see a PT say, I am mental health expert train with me. Cause that's like, you're literally profiting off. It's, it's, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'll say it. So I typed that a message and I was like, okay, I'm going to make sure this is the most, because you know, like no one likes just being like, here's advice out of nowhere that you didn't ask for. I was like, I very much, I was like, okay, let's just make sure. I get that point across so, so much. And I said I to my girlfriend, like two mates of mine, uh, like three PT mates of mine. And I was like, this is the situation. This is the story. How does it read? Is that like, am I out of line? And I think I'll five or six people back, but they're saying, yeah, like that's fair enough. Someone should say, go for it. I sent them a message. Um, read it again, like four or five months. I'm like, I want to make sure this is okay. Um, message was seen. Um, and I was blocked. And I had like four or five trainers from that gym start looking at my stories. And I was like, this obviously wasn't taken very well. Yeah. Um, let's go. So yeah, this, uh, there we go. Fun times. <laughs> I think this is the thing is I think once you're not willing to entertain the idea that you could be wrong about something, that's probably when you're wrong. Yeah. Um, and I find that concept quite interesting because again, like I do find it quite <sighs> interesting is probably the wrong word. But the amount of unsolicited advice that you get on on social media like blows my mind. Like the amount of times that someone will will see a story and decide that they should tell you what to do about the thing that you're talking about in that story. And I find that quite fascinating that kind of there is this there is that side of things. <clears throat> and I then there have been times when I've responded by saying, actually, like I didn't. I wasn't asking for when I posted this, I wasn't actually asking for opinion. Yeah. I was I was just saying what my opinion is, because that's sort of what you do on a social media page. You post what your opinion is. And they were like, yeah, but then you're inviting discussion. And I'm like, I'm inviting discussion. But if there's disagreement, that doesn't mean that I need to engage in that discussion necessarily. 
and I reflect on this because I think, well, actually, are you then are you doing the same as what this guy is doing by just going, no, 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 I'm not interested in discussing this. But it it is it is fascinating to me because there are some situations where you post something off the hip, like off the off the hip, and shoot from the hip, off the cuff, um, and you uh, you sort of you get responses to it, and you think, oh, actually, no, no, yeah, I'm rethinking this, I'm re sort of changing my mind. But there are some times when you've really reflected on something gone backwards and forth, had these discussions like with your mates and then decided to post it. And you're like, this is my fully matured and finalized opinion on this subject that I've really thought through. And then someone's like, nah, but what about this? It's like, well, actually I've thought about that already and I still agree with this. No, but you're wrong. I'm like, well, actually I don't, I don't know that I am. And I think that's the thing is that you have to be, you have to be flexible in your, in your view while also backing your opinions. And I think if you can't actually just respond and say, I appreciate your opinion and move on, it's just, it's a sign that you've, that the fact that you've taken it so defensively to block is yeah. a bad sign. I mean, I don't know what you said in the message. Maybe you were, maybe you were awful. <laughs> Who knows? I, 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 that was, that was the thing. I was like, you know, I mean, it's, it's the gym that the person was a member of i, I, I they don't I, there's there's been, there's, been, there's been a thing with the trainer there before nothing like awful but i had a bit of a, a falling out with the trainer work then let's just say the staff in said gym know me quite well and aren't a huge fan of me so i, I kind of overlooked that aspect as well i was like this probably was going to happen no matter how it was taken mm-hmm. um which it was home oh, yeah, fair enough my my bad um but yeah and i do agree i think yeah it, it is one of those ones where like you know be like if you post things if you post something and like you didn't think it fully through and someone says it to you in, in, in a way like yeah okay cool like it's okay to be wrong but like the minute it's kind of like you know yeah i'm gonna block you straight away it's not like okay well what what was the point like you've just said like this is my opinion i don't care what anyone else thinks like well why have you shared it then yeah you know yeah, it's, oh, it's funny. I remember actually last year I put, I put a I put a post up and it was basically talking about hit and like nothing but like it, I was like hit hit training. If you like it, don't like it. But I was basically it was basically post being all because a big pet peeve of mine. People going like, you know, thirty seconds burpees, thirty seconds this is is hit. And I was like, well, technically, me being the dickhead, I'm like technically that's not hit. And the basically post being all like, this is what hit. And I basically was like, listen, this is what hit is. That isn't hit. That's all it is. And I think someone came at me and was basically like, well just because it's not high intensity doesn't mean it's not high intensity for me. And I was like, well, no, no, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I was kind of like going back and forth for like an hour. Like, this is, this is what it actually means. They're like, no, 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 this is what you mean. I'm like, I'm telling you what I mean. And it's just, oh, it's just, it's, it's a messy, it's a messy situation overall. Yeah. Kind of way. Oh. yeah. Opinions and discussion. I mean, I, I, I also think social media is not necessarily the best place for it. I think it is hard to get across nuance in those little comments and one minute voice notes even i mean i'm a fan of voice notes for discussing concepts i think there's less chance of of terrible communication but there's still chance for terrible communication quite frankly but like with the mental health side of things on on like social media with pds and whatnot like i think it's it's obviously one obviously one the good thing that it's like it should be spoken about in terms of kind of like it's good that like mental health is being spoken about that's goes without saying yeah. but I suppose there's that fine line between you know speaking about it and then i am the expert it's not that fine i don't think it's yeah. a fine line Sorry, I think I, that's, yeah. that's the thing i think as long as we're just as long as we're clear on the difference between lived experience and expertise because actually lived experience is really valuable lived experience is really important for people to see it's really important for people who are struggling to know that other people have been through the same things that they have and may have got through it. Um, and that, so it's it's important to, for people to see that that the outcome isn't bleak and, and all of those sorts of things. And also to have somebody to relate to or to chat to or whatever, or even to have support. Like people don't just need expertise. They don't just need advice. They don't just need facts. They also need support and, you know, other things that come from friendship and human connection, right? So I think that, as long as we're clear and explicit about it, it just doesn't really matter. But I think that the problem is also people want to ask, like, I mean, it, it's it's bizarre, isn't it? That actually, let's say we're interested in mental health, but whose posts are we liking and commenting about mental health? The Kardashians? 
um, you know, influencers, big celebrities talking about their mental health. Oh, you know, you're so brave, etc. And people end up asking these people questions. They end up talking to them about it. I even saw like there was some. Like, this was ages ago, but it was uh, it was some like um, I can't remember if it was a mental health or physical health sort of discussion. And, and we're like, and they were saying that we've got people for you to ask, including like a panel discussion and it was just people who just don't you know who might again have had personal experience but who shouldn't be answering questions about like advice basically yeah. um and again I like I always struggle to talk about this because I don't want to be an elitist about it and I don't want to ever to come across like I'm saying that people shouldn't have a voice or shouldn't have a platform or shouldn't speak about these things. I am absolutely saying that they should speak about these things. All that I'm asking is for there to be some like accountability and transparency about where their lane ends and where their scope of practice ends. And I think that people don't always know where their lane ends and where their scope of practice ends. And I think that's part of the problem. And that's why I think actually, if we did just increase mental health education among coaches then actually they would know enough about it to at least know who to be signposting people to who to refer people to when to be concerned because it's not like you know for all of the for all of the experience that you need it's not rocket science it's not hard to understand the basics and to have like you know some perhaps some protocols or pathways in place to say like you know if someone has this symptom they should maybe speak to a GP um, or if someone is saying this, you may be wanting to tell them to go to the accident and emergency. Like, you know, there are lots of ways of, of kind of doing this and about being safe about it. Um, but I think also because of the lack of knowledge and because of that kind of people that you have on the other side, people worrying about stepping out of their lanes or being terrified to talk about anything to do with it. And therefore, potentially not, you know, having opportunities to help people, but not taking them because they think it's it's out of their remit and they shouldn't be going near it. Yeah. So it's difficult. It's a really difficult balance to have. And I, I, I definitely want to not approach it in a way where I'm saying, oh, you know, personal trainers are always going around giving this terrible mental health advice. It's not acceptable and it needs to stop. Because I think that that sometimes is like the narrative that ends up coming out from people is like that, that we want to, that, you know, people want to stamp this kind of stuff out. And actually it's not that it should be stamped out. It's just that it should be steered in the right direction. I think. I agree. I think actually to be honest, one thing you actually mentioned there, I think is really like interesting to talk about. It's kind of like the whole, like how, like, like we've mentioned that before on how like personal trainers road to becoming a PT isn't a very long, nor is it a very, you know, educative or thorough process like six weeks in you go and like obviously with how big of a thing it is between both now and how like it can be taken out of contact is the whole mental health talk i think you're dead right there in terms of kind of like you know well what are some signs of that if, if something does come up like how do you deal with it and like because like, like you're, you're you make a point there in terms of it's very important to kind of know like you know when to like when's it okay to obviously give just normal humanly advice and when is it a, when when is it a case of like okay well this is advice i should be giving like i if i had a client i, I would have a client before and who was you know they're stressing like things like antidepressants came to talk and i was like listen i have been on them beforehand it's 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 a normal thing for a lot of people like you know and it was basically to chat about that but like never would it get to a point where i'm kind of like well you should do x y and Z. And i feel like people like from er from early days it's more so a case of how do i phrase it like you get very much into the conversation of like trying to give that human advice, but then you kind of take that position of I'm their coach. I should help. Do you know kind of when I think that's where a lot of coaches end up, obviously I don't know PTs obviously helps happens quite a lot, but it's kind of like how PTs might end up going that route of kind of like stepping out of that lane. If that kind of makes sense at all. Yeah. I think it's a really difficult balance to find. And I think that the really important thing to point out is that, it doesn't really like actually advice is often not what people need anyway. So really you don't need to give people advice. You need to listen to them. And sometimes you need to explore what it is that they want and what they're trying to 
achieve <clears throat> and actually asking them questions and establishing more about what's going on and having a conversation is probably more important than any advice that you can necessarily give is it's listening and it's understanding and actually when it comes to stuff like like let's say for example if you use antidepressants as an example no amount of advice that you give is going to put someone on antidepressants because that's a conversation that they're going to have to have with a professional who's going to prescribe it so if you're not unless you're the one prescribing the antidepressants it doesn't matter so much what you think but sharing your experience of how you know, like saying I've been on antidepressants and I found them to be really helpful in my situation. I didn't find that I had side effects or I found that I struggled a bit with the side effects. So if that's something that you're worried about, maybe explore that with your GP when making the decision. You know, those are the things. Share your experience by all means. But what you don't want to do is offer these sorts of unsolicited opinions. And I think that's what people get a lot of, especially with stuff like medication, like, oh, whatever you do, don't let the doctor put you on medication because blah, 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 blah. And I did that. And then I, I felt like a zombie and I did this and this was, and it's like, this is that, you know, this is clearly stepping out of the remit of that, but people were doing it because they, they want to help. But I think it's really difficult when people have to make hard decisions like that. And, you know, when somebody, let's say, just to continue to use antidepressants as an example, there's a lot of stigma around medication. There's a lot of stigma around its use, cultural, personal, environmental, like the people that you hang out with, work-related, um, all of that sort of stuff. So let's say that someone goes to see a GP and the GP suggests that they go on antidepressants and they're reluctant to go on antidepressants and they speak to their family about it and their family are like, oh, I don't think you should do that or, or are just negative about it or their friends are negative about it. And so they kind of, end up speaking to the GP and the GP might be like, well, look, you know, I really think that you'd benefit from doing this, for example, let's say. So they decide to do it, but they're almost wanting it to fail already because they don't want to be on antidepressants. So sometimes they will notice the side effects more than someone else who's desperate for those antidepressants to work. Sometimes they won't stay on the antidepressants long enough for the side effects to kind of settle down. You know, there's all of these different psychological aspects to it that might mean that somebody goes on antidepressants and has a bad experience with them. Now, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people who go on antidepressants, have bad side effects and don't tolerate the antidepressants. That's perfectly reasonable and not an issue. But what I'm saying is someone's personal experience of that process is not just different because of the context of their condition, but it's different because of the context of the treatment. It's different because of the context of what antidepressant they were, they might have been on, what dose they were on, how long they tried it for, whether they were on other medications at the same time, whether they have other medical conditions, whether they're susceptible to certain side effects, what other people might have thought about it, whether they want to be on it, whether work are being difficult about it. All of these sorts of different things play into this experience. And that is what makes it just their experience. And that's why you can have some people who have an incredible experience of a certain medication or treatment or pathway or therapy or whatever. And you can have some people for whom it just doesn't work at all or for whom it makes them feel worse. And that's why individualized treatment is so important. And that's why also people don't always recognize that things can be different with different people. So when they experience something negative, they want everyone to know how bad it was and they want everybody else not to do that not because they're horrible people and they want to be nasty to anybody or that, you know, they've got bad intentions, but just like me saying earlier, when we were talking about music, how I want everyone to listen to the song that I love because I want them to love it and I want them to enjoy it in the same way. We want to help people and we want to, we want to say, well, actually, no, I did this and it was really terrible. I don't want you to go through that, but they just don't necessarily realize that that might not necessarily be the journey that that person is going on. Yeah, no, I, I completely, I completely agree. Completely agree. And again, it kind of goes back to that whole kind of like, you know, it, number one, kind of like, if you're asking for advice, you know, understand that like, you know, if, is someone giving you their personal anecdote or are they actually giving you advice? Do you know, like if someone, listen, having my experience that I'm depressed beforehand, if someone asked me what I thought about it, I, I wouldn't say yes or no, because by no means is that my place to to give them the all clear to no form. Like, I can't do that. But I can say, I've, I've been on it beforehand. It helped me do X, Y, and Z. It was a positive experience for me do with that what you will and then kind of unless you have the qualifications that's kind of what you really should be doing you know 
hundred percent. I think it. I think it just is. It is. Um, it is a. It's a really challenging balance to find. Like what you know, wanting to be helpful while sort of checking yourself. Um, and I like I've been there before as a doctor. Like well, you know, when I was when I was trying to lose weight and I did paleo and paleo worked. I was like, everyone should be on paleo. It's the best. It's the secret. And it's so easy to do. I've managed to last at least three weeks so far, you know, and actually by four weeks, it was a different story. So this is, this is the thing is that actually, you know, we all do it. It's kind yeah. of a human nature thing, but we could all do a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. And I actually you want to kind of bring that kind of paleo side of things into it. It, it makes total sense. It's kind of like, I've done this thing. It's going really well. I got to let everyone know that this is the best thing ever because I might think it's helping, but it may not actually be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, nicely segues me on to a few of the, the Rory questions I had from beforehand, the really fun ones. Um, you mentioned there about, because there was there was four, four different questions I, I, we had for you, 4.5, I'm going to say. The first one was, you actually want to know about your, your own weight loss and kind of, I mentioned about pay that I kind of like what you, the first thing you wanted. Obviously, this could be like a very long-winded question, but kind of what kind of triggered you with your own kind of your own weight loss, your kind of weight loss journey yourself. Um, I I had always wanted to lose weight. I'd always wanted to not be overweight for a multitude of reasons, both kind of aesthetic and health-related. Probably more aesthetic, if I'm honest. Um, and I just always assumed that one day things would fall into place and it would happen as time went on, uh, it became clear that I was putting on more weight than I was losing generally as I, as I went through my life. Um, and I sort of got to the point where I was, you know, hated going clothes shopping cause it, I just hated trying stuff on that didn't fit. And that was what would have would happen. And I ended up, you know, I would order my work clothes online and, and I, I think one of the one of the turning points was realizing that I was ordering 40 inch waist trousers online and I was like you know this this went you know it was 32 and then it was 34 and then it was 36 and then it was 38 and then it was 40 and at no point in that process had it gone back at any stage it was just going further and further and I was like well where does it stop if I don't do something about this soon it's going to be it's going to be potentially too late um coincided with a friend of mine who was I think about 35 at the time um who I considered to be really really fit and well like always playing rugby playing sports and stuff and he had a heart attack so um that was uh, a bit of a wake-up call for me because I was like if he's having a heart attack at 35 like I'm you know the I think it's important to make it clear I was not looking after myself in any way I was living off junk food takeaways eating out all the time um and i did not do any physical activity that wasn't necessary for my you know work or day-to-day survival like i drove everywhere i didn't mind walking places but it just wasn't you know it wasn't very easy to do i had a desk job sedentary lifestyle and i was like i've I've got to do something about this and fortunately this was around the advent of twitter so I was starting to kind of communicate with people who had interests in these sorts of things. So rather than, you know, just try and stop eating, which is what I would always do every other previous time I wanted to lose weight, I actually learned a little bit about, you know, the famous calorie deficit. Started doing that and then I did, and then I lost my way, sadly. I I lost about, I think, 15 kilos or something on the, or maybe less than that, a bunch of weight on um, on my calorie deficit. And then because my fitness pal kept putting my calories down and I was getting down to, it wanted me now to go down to 1600 calories. And I was like, oh, what do I do now? And someone said, well, why don't, instead of looking at calories, why don't you look at food quality instead and go paleo? So that's when I went paleo. And then I lost loads of weight because I couldn't be bothered to eat anything because it was like so, such an effort to actually prepare the food that I was like, I can't be bothered. Yeah, just go hungry because I can't be bothered to eat another packet of jerky. Oh, that's not. I remember paleo's. My brother years years ago now. My brother and his missus at the time were trying paleo, and I remember oh, I was over one of my mates' row. It's years ago now. I think I was still in school. Um, one of my mates was over from school, and we were chilling out. And my brother was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm making everyone dinner. Like, you know, it'll it's gonna be re- it's paleo. It's gonna be real nice." Da, da, da. I think it took them about. 
it was like a real I forget what it was but they ended up taking about six hours to actually from start to finish repair make cook serve up and I remember having it and just thinking like this this, this is horrendous like what why would anyone do this <laughs> I mean I think if you've got unli- I mean the truth of the matter is I think if you've got unlimited time yeah. I really love like um you know fairly plain healthy type food like I have no problem with any of that kind of stuff but it's just it's the restriction it's the being unable to have something that makes like making you want it more that I found really difficult about that and sort of went ended up then going into sort of I guess a very restrictive versus falling off the wagon cycle for you know a couple of years and then finding flexible dieting and then you know trying different things within that and and that sort of working much better for me but um it's tough you know like I I I associate a lot of my not identity but like I went through this big weight loss change and it was huge and actually I was the guy that lost loads of weight and that kept it off so like I've I've struggled a lot recently with um you know like with trying to be less diet focused and trying to focus more on you know nutrition rather than calories trying to focus more on increasing strength and stuff in the gym rather than just trying to be as small as possible and I found it surprisingly difficult because like I've had to you know I have gained weight by doing that um and it's strangely uncomfortable I find myself often feeling like I've I'm failing when actually what I'm doing is sort of in line with what I want to do anyway it's quite difficult to change your mindset I think and then I think a lot of people struggle with that but you know I think it's um yeah like I, I constantly find myself going oh, I'll just I'll just go on a diet for a little bit again just to you know to tidy up yeah and think, again there's nothing yeah. wrong with that like I think that people have sizes at which they feel comfortable and I think it's figuring out the difference between you know being uncomfortable because you're worried that you are you know that you might be like facing health risks like for me like at, at the size I am at the moment I find it like I find it less comfortable being active like in the gym doing like the cardio so like I find stuff like the air bike or going for I find going for a run really difficult at the moment and I sort of miss that a little bit so there are aspects of it that you know the where where I think actually I, I would like to be a little bit lighter again yeah a bit, but you know anyway this isn't a therapy session <laughs> How's the, uh, how's the benchmark? You're on what? 90,000 grams is, is 90,000 grams. Yeah. I have done for, I did two sets of one rep the other day, which was the most that I have done. Um, and it's very exciting because I have tradition. I found actually on my Instagram memories today was a memory from six years ago of me doing bench press. So it's not like I haven't been trying to do it for a while, but I always struggled with my shoulders. I I always struggled to kind of get past about 40 kilos, could never really do it. Um, And the same with even like with, you know, dumbbell presses and stuff like that. I've always like, I've really struggled with my upper body strength. Um, Whereas when my, the whole, for the whole first few years of my training, it was all squats and deadlifts. So I kind of developed fairly strong legs as my newbie gains, but I never got the newbie upper body gains that everyone talks about, sadly. So um, I'd really struggled with it. And it was always just a bit of a sticking point. Like I would go to the gym with people that I knew and they'd be like, oh, let's do some bench press. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. And they'd be like, yeah, let's start with 50. And I was like, oh, I can't actually bench 50. And don't be ridiculous. Like you're, you you know, you're squatting a hundred kilos. I'm like, yeah, I know, but that's bench press and I can't do it. Like, no, don't be silly. Let's just, let's just, come on. You obviously can do it. And I couldn't. Um, so it's been really amazing to try and, you know, to try and work on that. And my coach has been, I hope he doesn't hear this because I don't like saying nice things about him in public, but it's been phenomenal. Like we've made really great progress and it all started through the pandemic because we were stuck with home training. So we went really deep into like, um push up push-ups so we had like by the end of the pandemic we were doing push-ups with like um we call it the bag bell so i'd be having a weighted vest and a rucksack with a kettlebell inside it um to be doing like push-ups with like a bat a resistance band as well um so then when we finally got back into the gym we eased straight into bench press at like a you know just from doing those um so it was really great and it's been you know it's been consistent progress since then so it's been uh, it's been nice your lockdown training 
stories were like by far my like favorite series of Instagram stories ever. They were fantastic. Thanks. Absolutely Thanks brilliant. Um, second Rory question. Uh, how do you, Rory, perfect. How do you always appear to have the most perfect five o'clock shadow? <laughs> I don't at all. <laughs> I, I'm actually terrible with my beard hygiene. I, um, I, I have very, very fast beard growth. Um, and so I often get, like I get my beard trimmed when I cut my hair or when I have my hair cut. And I sometimes get a beard trim in between and I sometimes trim it myself, but I'm terrible at it. I, I think that's a, that's one of those things that clearly I've got a reputation for from him, <laughs> but he hasn't actually been watching my stories because it's terrible. It's all right right now, but actually it's not really. I'm, I'm someone who like, I, oh, I, this is like a week of me and I'm, I, I feel like I kind of grow hair of like the rage of like a 14 year old and it's very upsetting. Like I'll get here a little bit, like a really awkward chin strap. And a really creepy mustache, but like here and here is nothing, and it's just really mm. upsetting. So, I think go. it's like, like I mean, this is the thing: is that we've all got our skills, and uh, I, there's there's lots of skills that I would happily trade in for having a beard. Um, but I'm using it at the moment because it's you know like it's a thing. It was uh, when I was kind of like when I was at uni, for example, having a beard was not like a cool thing to have. Like no one did that, so it wasn't like, and it's so it it was a shame that I couldn't really utilize this incredible skill that i have we you know which obviously i have not done anything to develop it was it's purely genetics but you've got to take it where you can get it haven't you i'm i'm jealous anyway rory like you ever seen rory he's he just has the most like gorgeous beard of all time it's terrifying when he shaves it off he's creaking good it's terrifying because you're like who's this man but when he has it it's like jesus that's impressive lockdown was fierce yeah, um imagine swims how the swims going yeah all right i mean i don't think it's fair to call it a swim like, there's no swimming that happens it's, a, it's, a, it's like a walk in a, but into yeah. the sea and then back out again yeah um mm. you know it's it's tough for me because it's a once weekly thing like jamie does it every day and it's it's just the same i'm like it's the same process every time he will make up some reason why today the sea dip is actually going to be fine because oh the, the tide's out today so and i was like you always make up this random reason <laughs> why today it's going to feel much warmer and it never does um but you know he's he's very optimistic always about the sea dips and i'm just sort of trying to get it over with so we can go for breakfast um but you know there's something that draws me to it i do enjoy it i enjoy the process i enjoy you know the, like even just the environmental side of things the fact that it like on a on a day where like so Thursday is a day when I do like my education job so it's not quite the same pressure in terms of getting up and getting to work for 8 30 for a clinic and stuff it's usually like a teaching session that starts at 9 30 and lots of admin work and stuff that I either do from home or somewhere else so it's a really good way of getting up and out the house early getting some steps in you know getting to see the sunrise all of those sorts of things like it's it's a really enjoyable thing i think people get caught up on the scientific benefits of it when really it's just like do you enjoy it cool do you not enjoy yeah. it also cool yeah I, it's a lockdown we so we have a page well i don't really anymore called swim team and over lockdown this oh, yeah. page went like zero to like 600 followers like a week mm. all right boys we've done it we've this is our we can all stop being pts now we can just be swim team for <laughs> for sponsorship money in this kind of way and that never fizzled out um but like you're like it was swim team but it was literally jump in I'm cold. Let's get out and take pictures in our yeah, body yeah. smugglers because that's just essentially what it's about, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. When are we, Rory, again, when are we getting Dr. Mike custom budgie smugglers? That's the that's the big one. I've never worn a budgie smuggler in my <laughs> life, so I highly suspect not for a while. It is, have you ever been tempted? It is, a, it is a liberating experience. No, I'm not tempted, actually. Um, I... I am a big fan of not wearing budgie smugglers. Like I, I, I mean, Fair. all of that kind of stuff aside, I think I think it's great. Like I love what James Smith does when he talks about you know budgie smugglers and people feeling confident wearing budgie smugglers and stuff. And I think that is absolutely fantastic. Um, but I, like I don't even like using public changing rooms. I just I hate it. Um, so the idea is so far removed from where I'm at psychologically that it just is very unlikely to happen i mean i struggle enough wearing swimming shorts and going to the beach we cold water is miserable enough as it is 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I remember we actually it was a really funny story. So amidst the lockdown hype of swimming and swim team Instagram pages for that, we were like, oh, let's get custom budgies more. They were really funny. They're these really awful budgies. They're like mermaid like print around them with the with a seal on the front with his tongue out and then swim team official in the back. Um we didn't spell check these budgies motors. Now custom budgies are really like they're not cheap. Yeah. They're not. Um my girlfriend Katie, she's a graphic designer. She's like, let's she's like inspecting them. And she goes, You spelled it wrong. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, it's swim team Ophical. We forgot the I in the visual. So we I think we ended up spending about 60 oh. quid each on these budgies. So the page, I think we changed the name of the page to Ophical. It's swim team Ophical just because it was like this, we'll ah. just make it work. Um, but yeah, you're, you're better off anyway. And then last thing, which I think is a, 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 an excellent way to wrap up the podcast. Um, he was asking if you're a top three uh, ice creams, chocolate bars, and biscuits. I feel this would be you're a very... talking about like what ice cream it is or what flavor ice cream, like gelato. I'm, ice cream. I'm go- no, I'm going to go like what actual ice cream, like is it Solero, this, that, like what's the top three? I feel this is a very, I could be a podcast in itself kind of discussion. Okay, so top three ice cream. I would say a Magnum, and I'm not going to specify which type because mm. it doesn't matter. Nope. Um, a Solero, and uh, I mean, I, I like I've got to say, like gelato, like actually, like a tub of ice cream or a cone, um, because I think that needs a special place for it. Excellent answer. I think Solero. What yeah. was the others? Um, chocolate bar. Oh, so double decker. Um, a Reese's it what used to be called the Nutrageous, then it changed to the Nut Bar, and then now it's changed back to the Nutrageous. Um, and then a Nestle Crunch. Ooh. But actually that's been sort of usurped because now Lint do a Lint classic recipe like tablet, and they do um they do a crispy version, like so it's got like crisp rice in it. Mm. And it's phenomenal. That's basically a, a Nestle crunch, but for um, grown-ups. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And then to wrap up, I think the most important one, top three biscuits. Top three biscuits. So like a jammy dodger of some kind, but not not a jammy dodger itself, because the, the branded version is the worst type of jammy dodger you can get. So probably the best version is the Fox's jam and cream, which has got a bit like the cream in it as well. Um, a Viennese sandwich. It's uh, most commonly made by M and S, so it's like the fingers uh, with the chocolate in between. Yep. And uh, dark chocolate digestive. Oh, why dark? Is that a milk? It's just the way it is. Milk chocolate digestive is rubbish. Oh, at the at the bowl. I, I feel like I can't argue because I feel like you've more expertise than I have. I do. Me. I do. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to accept that my, yeah. my my current new opinion is that dark chocolate ones are better. No, I think because like I prefer milk chocolate to dark chocolate, but I think when you're putting chocolate on something else that's quite bland, um, more like then take you're almost making it a bit more like milk chocolate. It's like if you put chocolate in a cake, if you put milk chocolate, it just doesn't taste it, of anything. But if you put dark chocolate, it tastes like milk chocolate. Yeah. You know, so I find that is the same for um, chocolate digestives. It should be dark chocolate. Yeah, just I get. It goes perfectly with the digestive. That makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like you've this milk chocolate, like a good taste on its own, but when you add like a bland thing, it kind of like dampens the taste. Mm. Yeah. When you've dark, like a strong taste in the bun, it is in itself a science. So I, I can mm. I can be back that in my opinion. So if you have a um like a caramel, a chocolate caramel digestive, that's fine with milk because you've mm. got the caramel that's yeah. giving you the flavor, but not so much for the dark chocolate digestive. It, I, it, that, it makes so much sense for yeah, biscuit talk. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Dr. Mike the second. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast Likewise. for the second Thanks time. For having me. Thank um, you. Your links to Instagram, your emails, all that fun stuff. I'm going to pop in the show notes. If anyone wants to follow you, where's, is it Instagram the best place to go to or is there anything else? Yeah. Like, yeah. But any, I, it, I'm on this, all of the platforms is the same thing. And, uh, but probably I do most of, most of the bits on Instagram at the moment. Perfect. I think it's actually going to go back to what you said about start about the Dr. Mike the second. I feel like you're kind of, every, you're, once you have like an Instagram name that doesn't have like an underscore or like an, or like in there, it's like a blessing. Like I have coached by Dan on my Instagram and there's a guy in the UK called coach by Dan underscore UK. And I've gotten so many inquiries from people thinking I'm him. Um, 
that I'm so happy I actually have just like the normal coached by yeah. now with no underscores or nothing. Yeah. So, and again, if someone's like, where do you, where can I find you? Just put this, yeah. no underscores, no this, no that, no yeah. whatever. So this is just the thing. Look up anywhere and I'm there. Yeah. There's- yeah. And there's quite, there's a few other Dr. Mikes who I would recommend following on Instagram too. Um, but none of them are the second. So if you look up Dr. Mike and you see one that's the second, that will be me. There we go. Fantastic. Dr. Mike the second, again, an absolute pleasure. And uh, everyone listening, hope you enjoyed and uh, I'll see you soon. Thanks very much.